Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we're going to be talking a little about data management. If you've got any questions about that or any agronomic issues happening on your farm right now, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. So I know Darren's out looking at some corn today, and, and this is an issue the reason why he's out is to look at an issue that has popped up this year more than we've seen in a really long time. It's corn smut. So the last time we had any on our own farm, I mean, of any consequence of at all, was probably 20 years ago. It was a river bottom field. And I can just remember, I mean, it's like, I know that field is 37 acres. I can just remember during harvest time. I don't, I think I was running a grain cart at the time, but anyway, it was just a black cloud and the yield was terrible. And I'm going, oh, wow, I hope this doesn't happen again. And quite frankly, it hasn't since then on our farm, but there are a lot of people around the country that are having issues with corn smut. And just a couple of things that I would tell you when we get diseases like corn smut, we have more problems when the plant has openings. In other words, it's been damaged, whether it's from wind, from hail. Hail is probably the most common time when we see this. Uh, or even I, 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 mechanical things. I, I mean, just literally anything that damages that plant, opens it up, all of a sudden you got a spot where oh no, this smut can get in. You're more likely to have it happen when you get some big rains early and it splashes up off the ground, goes into these open wounds, and then later on it, it things dry out. So we did see a fair amount this year where there was insect feeding, like with adult corn rootworm beetles, but I, I'm not going to say it was exclusively that. We had the windiest spring that we've ever had, at least in South Dakota history. I don't know how it was for your farm, but it was tremendously windy. And because of that, we had a lot of damage, a lot of open wounds, a lot more smut in areas compared to normal. Now, some people are saying, oh, it's variety by variety. And I agree with that. I, I mean, we do see it more in one variety than the next. The problem is, I don't know of any of the breeders that really screen for that because it happens so seldom in a lot of areas that, I mean, what are you going to do? And how are you going to inoculate that and everything else? So anyway, yeah, it's a challenging problem. I know Darren's looking at that today. So um, if we get him on the show later on today, we'll talk about that. Otherwise, we'll probably talk a little more about that tomorrow. Uh, right now, we're going to go to the phone lines. Got our friend Caleb calling in. Hey, Caleb, how are you today? Good. How are you, Brian? Excellent. Uh, so we answered uh, one or two of your emails here just on recent shows, but it sounded like you had more questions. Yeah, I had, I had sent in, uh, some soil tests and then I guess, uh, I guess we're, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, pH of my strip, how mm -hmm. concerning should it be, especially going ahead of beans. Yep. I don't want to, you know, screw something up and have a low pH under my beans. Okay, couple of things. So just for a little background for our listeners, Caleb had said he had 
basically put a little bit of elemental sulfur in the strip, in strip till, and now the pH is a little bit lower in that strip. And so he was wondering about putting some calcium in there. And my big comment was just be really careful about what you're doing, keep the rate really low, and the fact that, like with lime, it breaks down very slowly over time, even more slowly when you're cold and when you're dry. But anyway, I, I would just say, first of all, we've been doing research on our farm where, and it actually falls right into our topic today of data management. It's what I was going to open the show with talking about data on our own farm, comparing soil tests to yield. And the only way you can really do this is if you have GPS points for soil tests. So you, you test in one spot and then you compare that to what is the yield right in that spot. And you do this across your whole farm. So we've done this on thousands of grid points for four. And I think this is now your five. Um, but what we've learned with soil pH and soybeans is we've had a bunch of fantastic yields. In fact, our highest yield with soybeans has been in the fives for pH. Now, mm. nobody's data says that, and it could be something else. So I haven't spent enough time analyzing saying, okay, well, do we actually just have more nutrients there or something else that's overcoming part of the pH? But my point is... A low pH, if it's just in, let's call it the upper fives, it shouldn't be a killer, especially this year. Because if your soil's a little bit drier than normal, the soil test could be showing a little nor lower than normal on pH. We've been talking about this on our farm because we've been in two and a half years of drought. So anything that says 5.8 on our farm this fall, I'm expecting, or I figure in a normal year, that's in the range of 6 to 6.3. So it's not quite as bad as what it looks. So that's just a little background, I would say, for you. And I don't know what the exact rate is going to be to tell you if you're going to put a little bit of lime out there or whatever in the strip. All I know is I'd be really conservative. Don't put a whole lot. And if you want, and, and my suggestion would be try some different rates on a smaller scale. But for most of what you're going to do, just run with a really low rate. Be conservative. Right. Okay. I guess I was thinking about... 50 to 100 pounds. Um, I, had, I had tried 50 pounds of pelletized gypsum last year and saw some pretty good yield response to that. Sure. And then I had you know, read some other things and read about the tying up the phosphorus, and so that made me a little bit nervous. Yeah. Um, okay, let me, let me put it this way. If we're talking gypsum, no problem at all. If we're talking lime, okay. I, I don't know that I'd even go that high. But, uh, I, I mean, I might do 25 or 50 pounds if it was lime. Gypsum doesn't scare me as much because gypsum is pH neutral. And with the sulfur in there, that's usually going to overcome a lot of the tie-up that the calcium may cause. So uh, gypsum, I'm fine with. Okay. Do you, on the or on the elemental sulfur do you have like a rule of thumb you know if i put <laughs> that in the strip how many pounds is sure. gonna lower okay you know? uh, all right uh, caleb hang on with me for just a second here we're up against a break but i'll answer that question right after this stay tuned this is ag phd radio just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its corn head should be the same especially when it costs you yield drago corn heads are engineered to harvest more Lowest profile saves ears, self-adjusting deck plates save kernels, longer knife rollers reduce trash, and aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other corn head works like a Drago or pays you back like one. 
See more features and find your Drago dealer at dragotech.com. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. It came on a night like any other. With power unlike anything else on Earth. Using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrone, Acuron GT Post-Emergence Corn Herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology, enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, live in the Morton studio. We're talking data management on our show today. But right, right before the break, we were visiting with Caleb, and he just had some questions about elemental sulfur and calcium and that kind of thing. So, Caleb, your question right before the break was, do we have a general rule of thumb for putting out elemental sulfur and how much that's going to change pH? Uh, let me ask you three questions first. Number one, Roughly, what is your cation exchange capacity? Um, about 15 to 25. Most stuff's right around 18 to 20. Got it. Okay, and what's your current pH on anywhere you'd want to put elemental sulfur out? Majority of everything is between 6 and 6.5. Oh, okay. So it's already in the right range. Gotcha. And then... How high is, do you know how high, roughly, your calcium base saturation percentage is today? Um, on most of the farm, so like I said before, we've been spreading high calcium lime. Yep. And we've, we've taken a third of our acres every year over the past three years and tried to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've gotten it mostly between 62 and 70 Okay. So you don't really have anything that's like super crazy high or anything like that. So, so let me ask you this. If you're already at a six or six to six, five pH, why are you wondering about elemental sulfur? Um, for strip tilling in the fall, we've, we've had some initial issues, strip tilling sulfates in the fall with them leaching over the winter and not, you know, when we take a soil sample, fall and spring there's not as much there so yeah something that's a little more stable yep 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 okay so now i'm with you now i now i understand what you're trying to accomplish here you're just worried that that elemental sulfur is going to push the ph down excessively and potentially hurt your yield if i'm understanding correct okay and we're we're thinking using about 45 pounds of elemental sulfur 
so a nine a ninety percent. Do you believe you need that much for your upcoming crop? Uh, it seems like the more sulfur we put on, the higher yields we get. So. <laughs> Okay, now here's my next question because we often talk about elemental sulfur and it needs to be a fine grade. So I assume yep. you've you've checked and this is a fine grade. You've maybe tested it in water, make sure it dissolves, all that kind of stuff. So we are dealing with a a product that will break down relatively quickly, right? Yes, correct. Okay. So as long as that's the case, then I I, I guess I'll I'll just say is to answer the question, is 45 pounds in the band going to lower your pH too much? Um, it may lower it a little bit because I'll, I'll tell you what kind of our standard rule is on what sounds like similar cation exchange capacity levels. We'll usually figure 15 to 25 pounds for every tenth of a point on pH. And we do that in a broadcast, and it's a conservative figure. Um, I think mm -hmm. it takes a little bit more than that, but we just put a little bit out there to hopefully solubilize some nutrients, maybe acidify things just really short term. Uh, so would I, would I say if I had that 45 pounds in a broadcast, would that almost for sure lower my, my soil pH by a tenth of a point? It very well could. So if you're going to put that out there, I – you know, the question then becomes, all right, how are, how are you going to counteract that if you want to run right. elemental sulfur? Um, yeah, you, you would, you would want at least a little bit of lime, but I, I, I want to come back to, do we really need 45 pounds of elemental sulfur? What a lot of companies are now starting to sell is this blend of, oh, we got some elemental sulfur and some sulfate. Because I'm with you that maybe you do need that much sulfur, but maybe there's another way to do it. And so I would think about like, well, I'll just tell you, like on our farm, when we go side dress with nitrogen, we're putting more sulfur out at that point. So rather than using the elemental sulfur form that would lower my pH because it's already low, I would consider just spending the money on a sulfate product next year with the nitrogen at side dress time. So just personally, that's probably what I would do rather than this approach. But I, I totally understand why you want to do it. You got it done and it's over with and now you're you're set. Uh, so how much lime would I throw out there to counteract that? Not a lot. I sure wouldn't. I, I mean, I might try... 25 pounds or something like that of a high calcium lime and just see from there. So I, I, I okay. know I would not get super carried away. And I also know that in that root zone already, it's quite often fairly low. So when we've done tests over the years, every one inch in the soil, it's very common for the soil pH in the four to nine inch range to be way down into the fives because the acids coming out of the plant roots have driven the pH that low. So that tells me that at least in the short term, that must not be a super bad thing. And it certainly isn't for solubilizing nutrients, but I don't know what kind of impact that's going to have on your, uh, your nodulation and, and just some other things going on in the soil. So I'd prefer to keep it kind of where you've got it now, closer to six. But like I was saying earlier, pH into the fives has not hurt our soybean yield at all. Okay. I guess, so to follow up, 
if we put, if we're also putting a hundred pounds of DAP in the strip, which is yep. a higher pH. Yep. You know, is that going to counteract some of that elemental sulfur? Uh, maybe a little bit. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, honestly, we haven't tested <laughs> exactly what you're talking about to yeah. say, all right, well, we're going to put this much elemental sulfur, this much DAP, and I don't know what else you're throwing <laughs> out there. Uh, and then we're going to be able to counteract this with exactly this much lime. I know Iowa State has some stuff where they talk about uh, nitrogen rates and how much lime it takes to counteract that and things like that. So I can maybe look up some more data for you and run some numbers and try to think about this a little bit more. But I, I, I mean, what I've often found in agriculture, unfortunately, Caleb, is it's not an exact science. As much as we try to make it an exact science, it's not. There are so many other factors that enter in everything from uh, the amount of soil microbes I have to the amount of soil microbes you have to rainfall, heat. I, I mean, there are just so many other things that that interact. I, I can't give you any exact thing. But just in relative terms, would I consider throwing a little bit of lime out there? I sure would. But okay. just don't well, get carried away. I, sure. Okay. Well, I just trying something I've never tried before. So before I go and make a big mistake, I figured I better uh, try and get some advice. Yep. That's a great plan. And along with that, I, I had just made the comment, don't be afraid to try some different rates on a small scale and just see. Yeah. Because like you, you said earlier, it seems like the higher amount of sulfur I put out there, the higher my yield. Well, that's great stuff to know. You just got to keep trying things, and and I mean, otherwise you don't know. But by the same token, if you'd tried, oh, I'm going to put 200 pounds of elemental sulfur in my strip, well, all of a sudden you got a lot yeah. of expense, and it could cost you yield. And that's the last thing we want to do is spend money and have it hurt our bottom line. Right. Okay. Thanks for the call, Caleb. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you, Brian. You bet. All right, again, on the show today, we're going to be talking just a little bit about data management. We're going to get back to the phone lines here right after our break. But I, I just to kind of start things out with when it comes to data management, there are, and I hear this from farmers all the time, there are, there are all these pieces of information I'm getting. How do I put this stuff all together? Or how can I use this data to actually help my operation moving forward? There are a lot of opinions on this. And so we'll talk to a few people today about maybe things they've been doing, what you could do, uh, what you might want to try on your farm. But I already threw out Honestly, to me, the biggest thing that we've found so far that's made an enormous difference in profitability and I'm not going to necessarily say reducing expense, but helping us spend our dollars more wisely, it's been matching up that yield to soil test data. Oh my goodness, is that powerful information. And it's really helped us understand how much fertility do we actually need on our farm to hit certain yield goals. It's awesome. So I don't necessarily have to trust any other fertilizer expert out there. I got my own data telling me what's exactly happening on my farm. All right, we'll continue talking data management right after this on Ag PhD Radio. When nematode pressure mounts, seed applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco top grower. 
Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com howler. Did you know 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. This is Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking data management. And first on the show to discuss that particular topic is Jared Oaks. He's with TopCon. Hey, Jared, sorry uh, we had you hanging on through the, the the last segment there. Had a lot of questions from Caleb over there in Wisconsin about his soils. Uh, so I'm sure you get those uh, th- that kind of amount of questions and a lot more about just data management on the farm, right? Absolutely, we do, Brian. And uh, honestly, great questions from Caleb. I uh, I enjoyed the little chat there about elemental sulfur and and beyond. I thought it was a perfect segue. Uh, you know, using some of the terminology, what we see or what we think. Uh, like when he said, "Well, every time we put more sulfur down, <laughs> our yields grow." We we right. think, right? So. Yep, yep. So, how do you take it from the we think to we know? That's the key with, with data management, right? It's, it's really taking it from the unknown to the known. 
And I, I think the key to that is obviously when you're in the moment, you're in the machine, you're in the combine, you're, you're unloading the truck into the auger to fill this, to fill that, you know all those things, right? There, it's data that's right in front of you at that moment in time, but farming operations are busy. I'm sure many of our friends and colleagues and families probably even have split operations. Maybe they, they work with cattle and, and crops, you know. So there's a lot going on. That information isn't right there at the front lobe of the brain all the time. And yeah. that's what digitizing that information really brings value to their, to their farm. Okay, so like with TopCon and what you do, how are you digitizing that stuff? And what, what's really the next step or what may be, when you're talking to a farmer, the first step to achieving uh, greater yields because now you have that information all together in one place and getting you the right information? Yeah, so, so TopCon, uh, for, you know, for your listeners that, that may not know, uh, Brian, we have a couple years ago, we released a, a cloud-based platform called TAP. You know, if they're interested, they can go to TAP, that's T-A-P dot TopCon, or just search in Google, TAP, TopCon, they'll find things. And we offer some really simple uh, web interfaces. Just, they go sign up just like they would for Facebook, Snapchat, or anything else that they wanted to use. Um, and they can simply drag and drop some of their files right onto those systems. Maps automatically, you know, begin to be created and they can input additional details, maybe post calibrate information. And, you know, probably the first question I typically get is, yeah, Jared, but you know, what's the catch? Do I, do I have to convert all my stuff over to TopCon hardware? Uh, you know, maybe you got to move from ag leader case or whatever brand the customer is enjoying today hopefully um the answer to that is of course no the topcon platform is is open to any of those data types and we would just urge customers to break through i, I guess in a way that maybe that fear that they might mess something up or that they don't uh, they don't know how to how to work with those things we've really designed the platform for those people specifically Okay, so give me one specific example of something that a farmer could do and something he might learn by using some of this type of data management tool. Well, I think you gave an excellent example there at the end of your conversation with Caleb. You said one of the most valuable things you've learned on your farm is getting yield data into a system that you can trust and view and look at a report for, right? And the second component you said was soil fertility data. Understanding how those two pieces interact on any given year really helps you budget and plan and know where your, your spin should really go. Right, Brian? That would be a yep. perfect example. A customer could get on the TAP website today. They could manually draw some of their field boundaries or just upload their files, those yield files like the example I just gave from their, from their combine, whatever color, brand, et cetera, it is. And they could also take those uh, soil fertility files if they're getting those from uh, their laboratories, probably in a shape file or a CSV file format. Customers don't really need to worry about that. Just take the files you were given and drag them and drop them over to the system. 
and and it'll automatically decipher that and then they can look at all those different values if it's organic matter <laughs> cec yeah. or and they can begin to correlate those back and forth all right, we've been talking with Jared Oaks. He is with TopCon, and we'd encourage you to check out the information that TopCon has got out there. Thanks a lot, Jared, for being on the show. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks so much, Brian. Have a great day. Yep, you too. All right, next on the show, we got John Fulton with Ohio State University. Hey, John, how are you today? Doing great, Brian. Thanks for having me. You bet. So you develop technology and and well, I'll just leave it at that. You develop a lot of technology when it comes to this whole data area. So can you talk to us a little about what you do specifically and then how you work with farmers? You bet. So I'm a faculty member at Ohio State and, and primary responsibilities to teach, research, and also do extension. The majority of my job is is doing extension or outreach. So uh, within that, my, my kind of specialty is automation, sensors, and, and, of course, a lot of that comes under the umbrella of precision ag. Yep. And so um, it's been a lot of times we have an, uh, an on-farm effort here at Ohio State called eFields where we work specifically with farmers conducting experiments on their farm and then ultimately publishing that in a report each year. So what – what are the biggest things that you would suggest to farmers right now if they're just, they don't know where to turn, what to do exactly? What are the top couple of things that you say, all right, well, you got to at least start with this? Well, I'm going to assume that first, you know, if they haven't been in using precision egg technologies, the obvious that we have found to make you know, provide value fairly quickly is, is including, uh, displays on planners and, and technology on planners down force and, and meters, uh, upgrading the meters to modern meters is pretty important in our book. Um, and then guidance system. And in particular, we, we see a lot of growers that have, have moved to RTK level kind of guidance and find a lot of value there. And then kind of thirdly is definitely, getting into precision soil sampling, so either grid or zone and, and sampling, and those are some of those real starting. And within that is um, hopefully having a yield monitor to accumulate or at least collect some yield data on fields and starting to build a database for each and every field. So we have and do all these things on our farm, and we probably have for 10 years now. So what percent of farmers do you think are at least doing most of these things out there? <laughs> that's a that's a great question, Brian. It's hard because of uh, we don't do a, a kind of a, a survey collective survey yeah. of the U.S. to know that. But at the end of the day, um, I'm sure know, in Ohio you know, it's way higher, right, John? <laughs> <laughs> we love to say that, but it, it varies by region, right? It, it yeah. really probably just like you're. I mean, if you got support and and folks to help you, you're more likely to have that technology, and so. Uh, it varies, but I would say, you know, as far as grid and, grid and zone sampling, it, it's going to vary by state, but uh, a lot of states were probably in the 50 percentile, give or take, you know, 15 percent on either side of that, depending on the state. Uh, guidance and, you know, automatic section control, I mean, anyone using modern equipment has that already embedded in the machinery or implements yeah. in the case of planners. So I think we're getting, you know, I would say a significant 
portion of growers or specifically acres in the U.S. have guidance and some kind of section control being used on the on the sprayers and planters today. Yeah, we often talk here on the show about cuts that farmers may want to make and things, and you know everybody wants to cut costs. But but something that a lot of farmers say is, I don't want to cut the technology, and I find that kind of interesting. John, if you want mine, could you possibly hang on through the break? I got a couple more questions, and I just want to talk to you a little bit more, if that's okay. You bet. Fantastic. All right, again, we're talking data management here on the show today. If you get a question for us, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. 
Today on the show, we've been talking about data management, and we are broadcasting from the Morton studio. So right before the break, I was visiting with John Fulton. He is with Ohio State University. And so first of all, John, thanks for hanging on during the break. Uh, my, my next question for you was, since you said you do you teach, you do research, you do extension, on that, on, from the research perspective, is there anything new and different that's coming out where you say, boy, this could really help with this whole data management um, realm? <laughs> well, um, we're, uh, I think people are continuing to look at ways to create databases that are more neutral, that enable farmers to be in control of their data. And so mm-hmm. I say that that there's, you know, academics, USDA and others trying to, to look at ways that farmers can and store all the data that's being collected, not only on their farm, but all these fields through the machines and technologies, but enable that to be um, shared with those out there in whether it's industry or folks like myself to do research, share that data to, to bring some value back to the operation or, you know, we'll say communities at times. So kind of along those lines, everybody's talking about carbon credits now. Do you see that? I mean, it is part of the reason why some of these things are getting developed so people can share their information back in relation to carbon credits because, man, are we getting lots of questions about that from farmers and certainly people all over our country and around the world are talking about it, but farmers are like, okay, well, how do I do this and how do I share the data and everything else? Yep, absolutely. And I mean, that's one of several things on that front, conservation, see, you know, carbon credits to even some of these other programs. But absolutely, I think that's some of the the challenge in that we just, you know, the note is it seems like there's no standardization. And so what may be required by one grower is different than another. Or if you change companies on that front, it may be some differences in what's required to participate in that. And so there's therein lies some challenges. But, yes, people are trying to kind of hone in on that and help kind of carve out what data make could be used across some of these uh, different programs. So since you are on that, you are with a university, and a lot of times the standardization does come from the university level and and working together with industry. Do you think there is a standardization that isn't too far away when it comes to carbon credits and, I I mean, just some of the things that we're trying to do from the conservation aspect? I would describe it more there's a lot of dialogue today and even discovery. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> trying to lead to something, but as of today, it, it's really a discussion point and kind of diving yep. in, trying to make create definitions of where where we may go with the standard. All right, again, we've been talking with John Fulton with Ohio State University. John, thanks a lot for the time today. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for the opportunity to be here. You bet. All right, next is uh, Dennis Bowman. He is with Illinois State University. Uh, Dennis, Illinois State plays South Dakota State in, uh, I don't know, two or three weeks. Coming up to Brookings for that? Oh, University of Illinois. 
<laughs> oh, your University of Illinois. Okay, yeah, they told me it was Illinois State. All right, so University of Illinois. Yeah, I don't think we'd stand a, a real chance playing your football team. So, anyway, let's uh, let's talk data. Um, so, 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 Dennis, what are what are oh, the this big? This is one year we'd like to talk about. <laughs> I know. I see you're doing exceptionally well. So, uh, so, Dennis, when it comes to this data management thing, uh, what are you talking to farmers and agronomists and and those of us in ag about? when it comes to data management? I mean, what specifically is kind of your area of expertise there? Um, so I'm a, a digital ag specialist with the University of Illinois Extension. And um, one of the things we're, we're looking at with the data is, is you know, there's just so much da- data that is being generated right now by our equipment yep. automatically. And how we save that, store that, um, and use it is, is gonna it's just a really big challenge for for us um, so one of the things is um, you know there's a lot of data that gets collected and never gets used right um, and um, you know sometimes we have to be realistic about that and say well you know it's it's interesting but it's not something I'm going to use but then also there's the other side of that coin that is it's interesting and I'm not using it yet um, but it may be something that as our software gets better in the future, it'll make it easier to aggregate some of this data. And so I'm part of an AI farms project at the University of Illinois, and that's, I think, one of the goals is to get some smarter systems out there that make data management and integration easier um, and to take some of the chores out of, of putting this stuff together and doing some of the basic analysis of it automatically. Um, and another thing is is curating that data as we're putting it in. Um, is it good data? Right. Um, have the yield monitors been comp- been uh, uh, calibrated? Yep. Um, are we confident in the source of the information? Um, and then um, um, and then having stuff that's available that we'd use uh, frequently, um, the yield maps and the soil maps and stuff like that, to having that at our fingertips. And so making sure we keep it. Um, available and and get it backed up so that uh, um, it's going to be there. Um, I really like to have uh, have my information locally so I can uh, use it anytime I need it, um, but also to have it backed up to a cloud system. And a lot of our software these days kind of automatically does that. Some of the, the ag products automatically put stuff in the cloud. Um, but if you're doing stuff manually, then you may need to have your own cloud set up. Um, and then also having that stored off-site um, in case something goes wrong with either the cloud or your local storage to have that available off-site. And one of the best um, physical ways to store the data is on uh, flash drives. They're pretty indestructible. Um, they, they seem to store their information for long periods of time with uh, little risk of corruption. My second favorite is the are the solid-state drives. They're no moving parts to them. Um, there can be small external devices um, that you plug in and, and have a fast connection to the computer um, and uh, don't take up a lot of space, but really do a good job of, of storing uh, information and reading it back into the computer um, through a fast channel that, that makes it usable. Um, one of the things I did find out about these SSD 
um, external hard drives is that they do need to be plugged in and used occasionally um, so that they get <laughs> recharged up Yep. Um, because they can lose their, their magnetic storage in their little bubbles on there if they don't get fresh electronics to them. And so last choice is probably the old mechanical hard drives. Um, yeah, so we don't, well... Hopefully, people are going away from all that. But I want to go back to something yeah. you said just a little bit earlier about the AI farms. Is there anything so far that you guys have developed at University of Illinois or really anywhere to to start putting that data together, being able to use it? Just, I mean, anything that that you've found so far that's been really interesting. Um, we're still pretty much in, in a lot of the early stages of the, the AI Farms project. A lot of it's pretty basic research mm-hmm. of, of trying to train uh, systems to identify um, different characteristics. Sure. Um, and uh, one of the things I think that's moving the fastest in this area, though, is real-time sensor networks in fields um, that are feeding information um to the grower yes. or the researchers. Um, and so those are, are going to be a, a whole nother set of data layers that we're going to have to manage and incorporate into the, the system. Sounds like job security, Dennis. Uh, there's <laughs> there, there's more data that's coming in all the time. Even like for us, when you talk about those real-time sensors, South Dakota State University has a weather station right at our Ag PhD field day site on our farm. And that's been tremendously helpful for me because I, I think about one of the things I was looking at earlier today was soil temps. And it's telling me soil temps literally every five minutes. And a lot of people are talking about putting nitrogen on right now. Well, our soil temp at four inches down hit 60 degrees yesterday. I wouldn't have known that without having that real-time sensor right there. Well, we've been talking with Dennis Bowman. He's with University of Illinois. Dennis, thanks for the time today. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Brian. You bet. Stay tuned. We'll talk more data management right after this. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. 
My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. Greg Souter, 360 Yield Center. It can seem like fallen hydrous is the cheapest and easiest way to supply nitrogen, but the cost of lost fall applied nitrogen can easily be $15 an acre. Shift that in application to the planter so that you know your nitrogen is at the right place at the right time to feed that growing crop. Then come back at V10 or 12 and apply just what the crop needs to finish strong. It never pays to save pennies and lose dollars of yield potential. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. We've been talking about data management throughout the show. We're going to get back to the phone lines again. We've got Ben Carlisle with us. He is with Case IH, the AFS Marketing Manager. Hey, Ben, how are things going for you today? Going well, going well. Uh, enjoying this nice sunny day. <laughs> All right, so it, it, it's harvest time. Everybody's busy. And one of the biggest frustrations I've typically had when it comes to data management overall is a lot of times I'm stuck in the office and our guys are out in the field and I'm like, okay, give me the data. And either they're busy or they forget to do stuff or, oh, well, I forgot the flash drive. Uh, It's in the pickup or whatever. And I don't have that data. So I know in working with Case IH, you guys have developed this AFS Connect system, so I should be able to see my data live. But how easy is that AFS Connect to use? And just talk to us a little bit about what that is. Yeah, so, you know, when I think about AFS Connect, it's extremely easy to use. Talking with customers, um, I hear that it's simple, it's straightforward, it's intuitive. Uh, it gets the information that they're looking for in their hands in a, in a very timely manner. So, you know, when I think about that, it, it does help with not having to, to go out and chase that USB drive around. Uh, you know, I do know how complicated and frustrating that can be. So, you know, it is exciting uh, as we continue to develop the platform of uh, what's, what's to come. So in terms of, let's say I'm working with a local agronomist, I assume it's pretty easy to share that with that person then, right? Yeah, it it really is. Uh, We have a feature that allows you to associate or link your account to your trusted advisor, whoever that, you know, may be your agronomist, your consultant, third party uh, retailer, you know, whoever that may be, but it allows you to get the data out of the cab into their hands quicker so that you can start that analysis process. All right, so what's changed with that this year or, I mean, just anything new and different from Case H when it comes to this data management platform? Yeah, so one of the the new features that we have uh, recently released is the dashboard, the equipment fleet dashboard. So 
with the dashboard, you're able to look at equipment at horsepower, fuel consumption, uh, comparing, you know, like tractors to each other on uh, different metrics and, and understanding efficiencies and opportunities uh, to create more efficiencies and really, hey, make sure that you've got the right, right equipment for the right job. So it really lets you start to, to optimize and then also looking at that fuel consumption it allows you to start planning for the next year. So what are the biggest things that farmers say, oh, I, I am able to make these comparisons, and here's something I identified that can really help me? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of times weather, right, plays a, a huge factor on our yield. So being able to take that yield data, overlay it with that weather information and determine you know, hey, did, did this have an effect on it? Or being able to overlay um, as applied maps and understanding, you know, what we plan to do versus what we did and the results of that. So, you know, working in, in agronomy for uh, several years, that's, that's really one of the things that I, I heard a lot from, hey, we've got this great plan. Now, did it do us any good? And yeah. so being able to, to take that data, overlay it, and get that report card, if you will, uh, you know, that, to me, that's pretty powerful. So talk to us about making plans with the data for next year. I mean, how, is there anything that you would advise a farmer to do once they've got all this information from AFS Connect in making next year's plan? Yeah, so... You know, working with customers uh, in, in the fall, one of the things that I really um, promote is making sure that we post-calibrate our yield data, right? We know that uh, conditions change through harvest, uh, you know, our moisture changes, yields change, so that does affect uh, the data that, that we're getting. So as we post-calibrate, truing up that yield data and then being able to run those reports and, and look at those hybrids and varieties, how they compare against each other, uh, benchmarking, and then having that conversation with your, your input provider uh, to understand, hey, what are, what are my opportunities uh, for booking seed this next year? All right, we've been talking with Ben Carlisle. He's with Case IH, their AFS marketing manager, and we've just been talking a little about AFS Connect that they have. Uh, we'd encourage you to check that out with uh, Case IH. Ben, thanks for the time today. Appreciate you being on the show. Definitely. Thank you. You bet. All right. Our number one piece of advice when it comes to data management is spend a little bit of time over the winter. I realize when you're absolutely swamped in the fall, this isn't going to happen, most likely. But spend a little bit of time over the winter analyzing some of your data, Some maybe taking a look at some of the things we talked about today. And just try some new and different things. Just talk to more people out there. There are certainly seminars, workshops, classes, all that kind of stuff on this too. And I, 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 I rarely anymore run into a farmer who says, I am not collecting any data. Most everybody says, I've got too much data. I don't know what to do with it. How am I supposed to use all this stuff to make me more money? And I, I mean, several of our, our people we had on the show today just basically had this as an overall summary that things are going to continue to get better 
and there will continue to be more ways to link that data up and it should get easier in the future because even right now I mean I'm not going to say it's super easy especially if you have different brands of equipment and you have multiple operators on your farm and everything else and I, I think Ben at the end there brought up post calibrate yield data uh, we talk about calibration up front but even afterwards you can still calibrate some things so there is a lot that goes into it and it may feel a little overwhelming especially if you don't consider yourself a computer person or a tech person but I, I would encourage you, if you aren't or you, you don't feel comfortable in that realm, find somebody who can help you because there are a lot of good agronomists out there now who do a tremendous amount of work with this stuff, and it has been pretty awesome, some of the, the things that come out. I have, I, I've really liked going down this path on our farm, and even for me, who, I, I mean, I've, I've worked with computers since I was a kid, and I'm not young anymore. So I just remember the very first computer we had. It was a Radio Shack TRS-80 back in the 1980s, and it was the early 1980s. So it's been a long time, and I love doing computer stuff. But some of these things, too, it gets, it gets complicated even for me, and I work with computers every day. So it is, I think, I feel like, important to have somebody who's used to working with the data and is working with it on a regular and daily basis and boy, some of the, the information that can come out is really powerful. It can help transform your farm and help you make some more money. All right, we got a couple minutes left in the show, so let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right, let's see. First one here. Well, we've got a couple of them on on shelter belts because we were talking about shelter belts recently on our Ag PhD TV show. So I'll hit both of these before we wrap things up today. First one comes from Sherman. He says. Uh, hi, guys. We use Crossbow, which is 2,4-D and triclopyr. That's a good product to control broadleaf weeds, vines, and small trees. If you saturate a small tree, it will kill it. If it's a larger tree, it only seems to kill the portion that was sprayed. In areas where I want to kill everything, I mix Crossbow with glyphosate both at high rates. That will kill weeds even if they are a few feet tall. Thanks for that, Sherman. Appreciate that. Next one is from Hugh. He says... Guys, I've used Chateau herbicide around trees with excellent results. Uh, so for any of our listeners, just as a side note here, Chateau has the same active ingredient as Valor. So if you're familiar with Valor in soybeans, Chateau, same active ingredient. Anyway, Hugh continues to say here, the rate is extremely low, something like one pound per gazillion acres. <laughs> he says exaggeration, but it goes a long ways. It's like $300 for a tiny bottle of granular, and the bottle is about a third full. I thought it was a ripoff until I saw the results. This information uh, that you guys had uh, is, well, he must have been watching one of our older videos. Uh, but anyway, he just said it was like from five years ago. But I, I, I just say, Hugh, when we talk about weed control and shelter belts, uh, first of all, we appreciate the comments with the Chateau. There are a, a few products out there we really like. The reason why we often talk anymore about things like Freelex is it's, it's more of a contact killer, a better contact killer, whereas the Valor's got some contact activity, or Chateau, I should say, with lots of residual control. So all depends on kind of what we're looking for there. And yeah, the newest product we talk about now is Freelex. It's a new 2,4-D that doesn't volatilize all over the place. All right, before we go, just want to say thanks to our production staff. My sister Janelle is producing the show today. Thanks to our guests we had on the show. And thanks to everybody with the questions here. And thanks to you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.